Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. We're going to read verses 14 through 30. It's on page 1541 of your pew Bibles. Uh, If you care to follow along there, otherwise we will have the words on the screen for you. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thus ends our reading of God's salvific word. May all who hear it share in their master's happiness. Have you ever wondered why some of the most renowned atheists can't stop talking about God? They, they claim that he doesn't exist, and yet they, they never seem to be able to shut their mouths when the topic comes up. They debate about him. They write books about him. It's almost as if if God is at the forefront of their minds all the time. You see, I, I have a theory. And my theory is this. I don't think that they are truly atheists. No. I I think that they believe in God, but they just don't like him. Consider uh, Christopher Hitchens, who who titled one of his books, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. 
Or how about Philip Pullman, who, who wrote a children's novel titled The Golden Compass, which was meant to con- convince kids that God is truly evil. You see, these, these men believe that there is a God, but they just don't like him. And so they fight tooth and nail to diminish his character. It is in our passage for today that we find something eerily similar. Where we see a, a servant who has a, a distaste for his master and as a result denigrates him. He badmouths him. Before we go there, let's, let's, let's review where we've been so we, that we can understand the greater context of this passage. We, we are now getting near the end of the Olivet Discourse, a, a sermon that Jesus gave in answer to the questions of his disciples concerning the, the coming destruction of the temple. And if you recall, these men, they wanted to know two things. They, 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 they wanted to know two things in order to be prepared for this destruction. They wanted to know when it would happen, and what would be the sign of his coming and of the end of the age? They want to know the timing and the events leading up in order that they might be warned and be able to flee Jerusalem. And Jesus told them plainly, the, 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 the one sign that they were to look for was this abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. And all that's just a lot of words to say. When you see the armies approaching to surround the city, flee to the mountains. Do not look back. Yet, when it came to the exact timing of this event, Jesus told them plainly, you would not know. You will be ignorant. And therefore, you must keep watch. And keeping watch has been the topic of that we've been going through these past few weeks. Jesus began five parables all on what keeping watch really means. And we've already gone through three of these parables, and now today we're looking at the fourth. If you remember, it was the first parable where Jesus established kind of the other four. It was the parable of the homeowner and the thief. If the homeowner had known when the thief was going to come, he would have prepared He would have kept watch, but instead he was ignorant. And in a similar manner, these disciples, they would not know the timing of this destruction. And so they must be prepared. They must keep watch. And if you recall, we talked about what it means to be prepared. That as disciples of Jesus, we must have trust in Jesus' words. Not only that they are true, but that they have authority over us. And so we are to follow Christ's teachings during times of trouble. In essence, keeping watch means keeping the faith. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the second parable, where we saw saw a description of two different attitudes that a servant could have. A servant can either be faithful and wise, or he can be lazy and wicked. The wise servant both honors and loves his master by beginning his work immediately. But it is the wicked servant who tells himself, my master is staying away a long time. And that's why he's lazy. For he thinks that time is on his side. That he will never see the day when he will be held accountable. Yet his master will come. And on a day when he does not expect him. 
at an hour that he is not aware of. And it will not go well for that servant, for, for he had no love for his master, and thus no sense of urgency. And keeping watch means having a sense of urgency. And this led us to Jesus' third parable, the parable of the wedding feast that we saw last week. Remember, there were five wise virgins and there were five foolish virgins. And if you recall, these, these young girls, they were waiting upon the arrival of the bridegroom. It was the wise virgins who had brought the extra oil just in case the bridegroom was a long time coming. They were prepared. But, but it was the foolish virgins who only brought their lamps and did not bring any extra oil. They didn't consider the possibility that the bridegroom might be late. And thus their oil ran out, and with it, so did their flames. They had to leave their duties in the hopes that at midnight, they might be able to find some more oil. Well, the bridegroom did come, and the wedding banquet started, and to the shock of these foolish virgins, they found that the door was shut. They were barred from the feast, and now seen as outsiders by, the, by this bridegroom. In a similar fashion, keeping watch requires a life of enduring patience. As Christians, we must wait upon the Lord no matter what our circumstances may be. For while we believe that God is good, that his promises are certain, we know that his timing is not always what the timing that we would choose. And so we must have enduring patience. And all this leads us to our passage for today. It really establishes our passage for today. For in this parable of the talents, we discover three servants along with their master. A master who is going away on a long journey. And what we will find is that this parable goes beyond the, the, the previous ones. For it delves deeper than just how we are to be as Christians while we're waiting upon the Lord. For this story hones in on the motivating factor that distinguishes between that good and faithful servant and that servant who is lazy and wicked. So we're going to try to answer the question, what drives the one to obey their master's will and the other to do nothing? Let's, let's discover this together. Look at, look at verses 14 and 15. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. This passage that we are looking at right now, it can be troublesome if we're not careful. For it has a tendency to be misread and misinterpreted by so many. And the reason that it gets misread is because of that word, talent. We have a similar word in the English language, do we not? We have a word pronounced talent. And it has a, quite a different definition than the definition that Jesus uses here in this parable. And that's where the confusion comes in. 
For what we often do is we, we, we try to conflate what, what Jesus was talking about with our own preconceived notions of what we think this parable should be about. I don't know how many times I've heard this parable preached where the, where the main point is that we need to be using our God-given talents, our skills, and our abilities to serve the Lord. And while we should be doing that, that's, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. It misses the point altogether. And so just like last week, in order for us to understand what Christ is communicating to us today, we must first recognize some of the nuances of first century Israel. So what do we find in these first two verses? What is it that, that, that Jesus is saying? Here we see a, a wealthy, wealthy master along with three of his servants. And we know that this master is wealthy by the amount of money that he entrusts to these men. To one, he gives five talents. To another, two. And finally, to the third, one talent. You see, when Jesus uses this word talent, he, he's not talking about a person's ability or their skills. Rather, he is talking about a unit of measurement. He was describing the weight of something. It's like using pounds or, or, or kilograms. To give you an idea of how heavy a talent was, one talent was roughly 75 pounds or roughly 35 kilograms. Now that's a lot of weight, particularly when you're talking about money. How much money was one talent? A typical day's wage was a half shekel or a denarius at that time. And yet one shekel was one three thousandths of a talent. That meant that one talent would have been worth 6,000 days worth of work. Putting that into today's terms, ever since COVID, what is the going rate of pay? Roughly 15 an hour, right? Now multiply that by eight hours a day, and you got 120. Multiply that by 6,000 days, and you have $720,000. That's roughly how much a talent was worth. I don't know about you, but to me, that's, that's a lot of money. And what do we find this rich master doing with all this money? He, he's entrusting it to his servants. One was given five talents. Five times 720,000. One was given two talents. Two times that same amount. And another was given one. I'd be happy with the one. I don't know about you. I mean, think about this. These three men, these, these slaves, for that's what they were, were entrusted with vast amounts of money. This requires a great amount of trust and generosity on the part of the master. Basically, he was telling these three men, here you go, take these millions of dollars that I have and see if you can make a profit. Now, how many in this room can say that they have been shown such a kindness? I'm not seeing any hands. Yeah, me neither. 
let's, let's see what these men did. Look at our next verses. Look at verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. To whom much is given, much is required. And it is in these first two servants that we see both wisdom and faithfulness. Jesus says that at once they began to put their money to work. These these two words, at once, they should remind us of one of our previous parables, should they not? The, the, The parable of that wise and faithful servant who did not slack in his work, but was diligent in his tasks from day one. He had that sense of urgency when it came to pleasing his master. And now in the same way, these two servants, the one with the five talents and the one with the two talents, they demonstrate the same type of urgency. They didn't assume that time was on their side and that they could please their master at some later date. And so they they were prompt about their work. They, they, They did not delay. Both had established some type of business with this capital, this great, great amount of capital that they had been given. And both worked hard to make it grow. Were there risks involved? Sure. I mean, their businesses could have flopped. They they, they could have lost all that their master had given to them. But these men had a duty to fulfill. And they knew that their master wouldn't have chosen them unless he believed that they could be successful. But look at the attitude of the third servant. Instead of taking the risk and doing his master's will, he, he digs a hole in the ground and just buries the money. He is negligent in his duties because he doesn't have the same confidence as the other two. Well, let's see what happens next. Look at at verses 19 through 23. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, You have entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now notice that this settling of accounts occurs after a long time. The master has been away for many days, if not years. And he has given them ample time to be faithful to their task. And this should remind us of our parable from last week, where the virgins were waiting a long time for the bridegroom to come. And it was the wise virgins who had the extra oil that kept their flames alive. They had the enduring patience that was needed for the bridegroom's late arrival. 
And now in our parable today, we see that these, these first two servants, yes, they had that sense of urgency where they went to work at once, but they also had an enduring patience as they waited for their master. Their financial endeavors sustained a profit over the long haul. And that's important to note. But what fascinates me about this tale is how these two servants react to their master's arrival. Master, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. As Kim and I were picking up Baron for his first day of school, he came running out towards us with a big, big smile on his face. And he gleefully cried out, Mommy, Daddy, I didn't get sent to the principal not one time. <laughs> he didn't. And he was so proud of himself. So pleased. I, I don't know why he thought he would get sent to the principal, but he, he was so glad that he didn't. And he wanted us to share in that accomplishment. He wanted, he wanted us to know that he had been good and faithful like we had asked him to be. And this is how I picture these two servants. They're like little kids trying to please their daddy. They have done these great, great things for their master. And they wanted him to know all about it. Master. You have entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. There's an exuberance in these men's voices. For they had, a, had shown loyalty to their master. Their master had been blessed because of that loyalty. And they were proud of what they had gained for the one who had been so kind to them. Do you see it? Their joy, it wasn't because they were richly blessed, but because their master was richly blessed. It was his happiness that they sought. His joy. Let me ask you, why do you do the things that you do? Who are you trying to please? Do you do things for yourself? Or are you trying to please your master who is in heaven? And look at how this master responds to these two servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Jesus is painting a picture for us of this kind and generous master who finds great joy in his servants. He blesses them, not only because they have been successful, but because they have been good and faithful. That's the real reason. And because of this, they will be shown more responsibility and be able to participate in their master's joy in his happiness. 
Dear friends, what, what, what Julie said earlier is absolutely correct. God is not this cosmic killjoy who wants to make you miserable. No. He is your loving Father who wants to be with you, who wants you to share in his happiness. These two servants, they understood this. And that is what motivated them to be good and faithful. And yet, there was one more servant that the master had to settle accounts with. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. Here we finally see the reason that this third servant hid his master's money. He was afraid of his master. He viewed his master as a hard man and a bit of a scoundrel. And so instead of working for this man, he simply kept the money safe in order to return it upon his master's arrival. I mean, this is his thought process. If I take the risk and it works out, then, then what do I have to gain? My, my master will be the one who will benefit from all my efforts. I, on the other hand, will still have nothing. But say it doesn't work out. Say, say I lose a talent of money. Well then, I will incur the, my master's wrath and be at his mercy. No, the, the, the better thing to do, the wiser thing to do, in my opinion, is to do nothing at all. That way, this hard and ruthless man won't be able to blame me for anything. Let's see how this worked out for him. Look at verses 26 and 27. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. This master condemns this slave on the basis of the slave's own words, thereby proving his guilt. If his master was really such a hard man, then he should have realized that he is, his master was expecting a profit. He should have at least put the money in the bank to earn some type of interest. And it would have been easy to do. It would have required no work on the part of this servant. He could have still been lazy and still tried to please his master. But instead, he just buried the money as if nothing was required of him. You see, he wasn't thinking about his master's happiness, but only his own. Do you catch the difference between these first two slaves and the, and the third one? Where, where, where the first two saw their master as kind and generous and thus desiring their master's happiness, it was this last slave who saw his master both as hard and greedy 
and thus he cared not for his master's well-being. And that is the whole point. How they viewed their master determined how they responded to their master's instruction. Let's put this in context of the Olivet Discourse. What was it that Jesus was commanding of his disciples? To keep watch. They were to be on the lookout for the destruction of the temple. They were to be prepared. They were to keep the faith. They were to have that sense of urgency as well as live a life of enduring patience. All this while, while, while doing gospel ministry, living lives of obedient faith to Jesus' commands. But it is one thing to know what to do, and it is quite another to have a reason to do it. Jesus is giving them the reason. You see, keeping watch only happens when a person has a desire to please God. And they will only please God when they have the right view of God. Brothers, sisters, this is a heart issue. How many are out there today who have a negative view of God? How many think that he is this cosmic tyrant who gains pleasure from the misery of others? How many want to have nothing to do with him because they view him as hard and self-serving? How many think that the problems of this world stem from, from him and not from themselves? And how many of these same people could care less about God's happiness because they only care about their own happiness? This is how this wicked servant was. He, he blamed his master for his own problems. He said his master was a hard man, harvesting where he had not sown and gathering where he had not scattered seed. And yet, in the, the interaction of, with those first two servants, we, we see nothing of the sort. Rather, this master is good and kind, one who entrusts his, his wealth, vast amounts of wealth, to his servants, one who rewards them richly. There is nothing hard or self-serving about him. You see, when it comes down to it, this is all about trust. The, the, the first two saw their master as, as gracious and caring. And that is why they were willing to take the risk. For they wanted to please their master. And they knew that, that even if they failed, they had a loving master who would forgive them. They were faithful because they had faith in the master's goodness. But it was this last servant who did not trust his master. He saw him as cruel and stingy. And that is why he dug a hole and hid his master's money. He did not care whether his master was happy or not. And thus he was unwilling to take any risk. He was unfaithful because he did not believe that his master was good. This story paints for us an accurate picture of the state of mankind, does it not? 
There are those who see God's goodness and his mercy. And then there are those who see God as cruel and vindictive. It is the first who, who understand the great gift that they have in Jesus Christ. They see the forgiveness that comes from the cross as Jesus died for their sins. They see the, the, the victory that comes through his resurrection as, as Christ defeated death for us. And because of that, they turn to him in faith. But there are also those who, who try to blame God for all the evil that is in their lives. They think that he is responsible for their misery and their suffering. And so they reject him altogether. Let me ask you, how do you view God? Do you see him as gracious and caring or do you see him as hard and cruel? For how you view God will determine whether or not you will seek his happiness. And that is the point. For keeping watch only happens when a person desires to please God. Look at the end of this parable. Look at verses 28 through 30. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This worthless servant chose to stick his master's money in a hole in the ground because he cared very little for the one who had given it to him. And thus he was cast out, away from his master, and into the darkness. And that's how it will be for those who view God as cruel and vindictive. God will use their own words to condemn them. But for you who are in Christ, you who view your master as generous and caring, you who desire your master's happiness, your fate will be much, much different. This is what we read about in our first script reading. Look at, look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us be like others who... Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And then listen to this. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. That is the good news. Dear friends, if you are in Christ, then you will not be cast out. Rather, you will hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today as grateful, grateful servants. We confess that that our opinion of you is not always the best. Would Would you help us? Help us by getting our eyes off ourselves and focusing them on your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us see your goodness and and your kindness through his life. And help us to seek your happiness and not our own as we await the coming of your Son. We can only do this through the work and the power of your Holy Spirit. So fill us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.